Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yes, all right. About 10 years ago, my son Ian, uh, there in the back in the flaming hot Cheeto shirt, uh, I, I came home to find him on the couch weeping. And I went to him, and I was like, hey, buddy, what's wrong? And he said, well, I was out in the, plate, uh, in the backyard, and I got stung by a bee. I was like, aw, buddy, I'm sorry. Did it hurt? And he was like, yeah, it hurt, but that's not why I'm crying. Okay, well, why are you crying? He said, well, I was outside, I was playing, I got stung by a bee, and I said a bad word. A bad word? What did you say? I was curious to see what word he picked up from his mom. <laughs> and he thought it was a trap. And he was like, I'm not going to say it again. I was like, oh, okay, okay, well, can you just tell me what it started with? And he says, yeah, I was outside, I was playing with a bee, I got stung, and I said the... I'm sorry, Dad. I, I, I said the K-word. I was like, the K-word? I don't know the K-word. And I went to public school. And so I was like, well, can you, can you spell it for me? And again, he thought that was a sin. So I told him, I was like, you know, as a pastor and a Bible scholar, I give you a special dispensation. You can spell it and it won't be a sin. And so finally, reluctantly, I squeezed it out of him. It's like I was outside, I was playing, I got stung by a bee, and I said, K. R A P. So I grounded him immediately. Not because he said the word, but because he misspelled it. Um, one thing I love so much about Jeremiah is how clearly and meticulously he spells out the message of God. We saw it a couple of weeks ago when Norton uh, showed us how Jeremiah spells out uh, the condition of Israel and, by extension, our condition. How so often we're like on a hike and we get lost and we don't ask for directions. Or uh, we're looking and finding pleasure in dirty water um, rather than the springs of living water that the Lord has for us, the high quality H2O. Last week we saw that God spells out not just um, the human condition, but the solution that there's a new covenant that is coming. And religion is not that which is going to be external, but that's something that's going to be internal heart, mind, and soul. That is, God is going to map his word onto our very core um, so that we love him with all of our heart, that we know his word um, in our minds, and that we are his sole possession. We belong to him, and he belongs to us. Today, I want to share with you um, how God spells out a rebuke to Baruch, and a verse that's probably the most convicting verse in all of scripture for me, where the Lord says to Baruch, Maybe the best soundbite in scripture as well. Are you seeking great things for yourself? Seek them not. I want to look at this passage today. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, um, scroll there. And as you're scrolling and getting, getting uh, distracted by the text, uh, allow me to give you a bit of the background. Um, some of you are like, Baruch? Who is Baruch? It's a good question. We don't know a whole lot about Baruch. Uh, we know that his grandfather uh, was a royal advisor to Judah's king, and his brother uh, was currently a royal advisor. Um, for some reason, Baruch decided to forego the family business of being a royal advisor and being with the kings, and instead hitched his vocational uh, wagon to Jeremiah's fun-loving ministry. 
And so as he's continuing to go through Jeremiah's fun, loving ministry, um, he becomes what Jeremiah is to Batman. He is the Robin of Jeremiah. Na, 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 na. And so we see Baruch being the scribe, uh, well-educated scribe of Jeremiah. And I, I have him pictured saying something like, um, well, holy strawberry, Jeremiah. We're quite in a jam uh, as we see Israel's uh, situation uh, but um, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 36 is where we really begin to see uh, Baruch's story, where uh, Jeremiah comes to Baruch and he commissions him to write down this huge letter, the biggest letter that we have in the Old Testament, uh, of Jeremiah's words. And so Baruch is ready. He begins to write. I have him pictured almost like the Bruce Almighty gif that you guys have seen, where he's like typing 105 words a second. Um, as, as Jeremiah is doing this, Baruch is going, or maybe in this case, um, his pen is smoking um, as he's writing all of these words. And then after he writes this book of Jeremiah, um, in the hope that finally once the king and the people hear this, they will repent. Um, They will turn to the Lord, and the Lord will relent, and he will save them. And so with great expectations, you can see Jeremiah swagging to the temple. Maybe he saw his brother. Maybe they know him because of his granddad. And he goes and he gives the book um, that he has written, his magnum opus to the king, hoping, expecting, waiting. Well, in Jeremiah 36, it says that the king took the scroll, and he would read a page, rip it off, and throw it into the fire. Page after page, Baruch's hard effort and expectations literally went up in flames until the whole book was gone. Baruch goes back and tells Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, well, let's write it again. You can imagine how gutted Baruch was. You can imagine how crestfallen he was. You can imagine how bummed out. I bet he could say, you know, wow, now I totally finally get Radiohead. (laughs) And so Jeremiah puts him back to work. And this is actually the context for Jeremiah 45, even though it's several chapters later, chronologically, chapter 45 is uh, picking it up here. And so let's look at uh, this passage as a whole, and we'll center in on that great uh, soundbite. So Jeremiah 45, you can look at your phone or it'd be up here on the screen. It says this, the word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he wrote these words in a book at the dictation of Jeremiah, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, You say, woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I'm weary with my groaning, and I find no rest. Thus shall you say to him, thus says the Lord, behold, what I have built, I am breaking down, and what I have planted, I am plucking up. That is the whole land. And do not seek great things for yourself. Seek them not, for behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh declares the Lord, but I will give you your life as a prize of war in all places to which you may go. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We begin this passage where we want to focus on that one statement. Are you seeking great things for yourself? Seek them not. It's a beautiful statement. Um, In the original Hebrew, uh, the word you is emphatic. Um, It reads more like um, you seek for yourself great things Stop it! The emphasis here is on the you. Um, You are seeking great things for yourself. I actually think it's okay to seek great things, um, but the 
point here is that Jeremiah, uh, that Baruch has somewhere along the lines lost perspective. He has become self-centered. And rather than seeking great things for the kingdom of God, rather than seeking great things for the people of Israel, rather than seeking great things for the poor and the powerless and the marginalized, now he's seeking great things for himself. The emphasis is not only you yourself, but you're seeking great things for yourself. I told you earlier that um, this uh, passage is very convicting to me because, uh, to be sure, I have countless flaws. Uh, my wife can enumerate all of those for you. She can spell them out. Uh, there's a lot of K-word in my own life. Um, but out of all of these, uh, this is the one that hits me the hardest. Um, it is vainglory. It is being self-centered. Uh, once my wife and I, when we first got married, she looked at me and said, Joey, the world does not revolve around you. And I looked at her and said, are you calling my mama a liar? We have this tendency to be able to focus on ourselves rather than on the kingdom of God. And as we see through Jeremiah, as Baruch has already written this once, and he's writing it over again, we hear um, the Lord saying, hey, your focus is to be upon me. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Let's not the strong man boast in his strength. But let the one who boasts boast in this, that they know and they love me, the Lord. And somewhere along the line, maybe he got exhausted from writing all of this. Maybe he's just disappointed that his life didn't turn out the way his brothers had. Maybe he's looking back um, at, at maybe a mid-career thing. Ah, I hitched my career to the wrong wagon. Maybe he's facing ridicule like Jeremiah. Um, I, what, what I failed to mention is after the king burnt the first um, scroll, uh, then he actually seeks not the Lord. He doesn't seek repentance, but instead he seeks to put Baruch in jail. And so it may be that all of this um, is causing Baruch to reconsider and begin to seek great things for himself rather than seeking the face of the Lord. Now remember, if Jeremiah is Batman and Baruch is Robin, these are two of the most godly people in the world. And now one of the second person in, in, in the godliness is focusing not on the Lord, but on himself. Maybe again, as we continue to go through Jeremiah page after page, over and over again, there's a burden, there's a heartbreaking, this a wrenching for the people of Israel, um, where God is coming and saying, you know, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, but you won't have it, and instead you're going to go into exile. And Baruch has lost his focus. Again, page after page, scroll after scroll, chapter after chapter in Jeremiah, we see that there's an emphasis. The people of God have gotten away from, God, gotten away from the Lord, and because of this, they no longer take care of the marginalized. Instead, they are oppressing the poor and the powerless. And so Jeremiah has gotten, Baruch has gotten to the point that he's more concerned about his own great things rather than those who are hurting in the community. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we took my granddaughter to the Denver Zoo, and uh, we were so excited. We love giraffes. We love elephants. And uh, we went to the giraffes, and uh, we were just marvel marveling at how glorious they were. We're like, look, Miriam, look, Miriam, look, Miriam. But rather than looking at the giraffes, she was looking at these little birds playing in a mud puddle. And they were like, no, no, don't look at the birds. They're insignificant. Check out the giraffe. You can see birds anywhere. And, and then we take her to the reptiles and the bugs section in Denver Zoo. And there's all these crazy animals that are, are insects that are there. But her favorite, brace yourself, were the roaches. And not like the little bitty roaches, but the disgusting uh, roaches. Um, and we were like, no, don't look at the roaches. They're gross. But she was like, oh, they're so pretty. Oh, they're so pretty. 
oh, they're so pretty. We're like, no, they're not pretty. But it's funny because it's almost like Baruch is focusing instead on the giraffes rather than the little bitty birds. He's focusing on what everyone else thinks is glorious for his own ambition rather than those who most people consider defiled. As we read through Jeremiah, we hear God saying, are you seeking great things for yourself, Baruch? Seek them not. What we seek instead is God's face. We seek his people and their concern. And we seek the little birds playing in the mud hole and maybe even the defiled and the ones that everyone else is grossed by because those are the ones that God loves. God comes and he says, hey, Baruch, are you seeking great things for yourself? Seek them not. We have a tendency to do this in our world where rather than focusing on God's kingdom, we're seeking our own kingdom. Maybe the counterbalance to this verse or the positive way to put this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And then all those other things will be added unto you. I can say that, yeah, I do seek the kingdom of God, but I can't say that it's first. We have this tendency to, yeah, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God after I seek my career. I'm going to seek the kingdom of God after I seek my pleasure. I'm going to seek the kingdom of God after. But Jesus comes and says, seek first the kingdom of God. We get to the point where we seek our own validation rather than validating and acknowledging the value in other people. Um, This is a major problem that I have. I seek validation for other people. I want to please people. Um, And so rather than seeking great things for God's kingdom, I seek my own reputation. Even as I wrote this sermon, I'm writing this because I want you to be pleased with my sermon. Even as I'm preaching this right now, I want to be validated. I want you guys to come and say, that was a great sermon because I have a tendency to want my own validation, seeking great things for myself rather than for your own spiritual formation. And even as I'm saying that, I'm hoping that you'll be pleased that I'm acknowledging that. (laughs) On and on it goes where it stops what no one really knows. And so we hear uh, this message that uh, resounds to Baruch. Um, It echoes in our lives as well. Are you seeking your own reputation? Don't give a darn about your reputation. Instead, seek the things of God. And then thirdly, we get to the point where we don't just seek um, our own um, things for ourselves, but we seek the other, what for other people. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. If you have any kind, love, tenderness, if God's Spirit has done anything in your life, then make my joy complete. How can we make God's joy complete? How can we make uh, the people of God's joy complete? By not looking out for our own interest, but looking out for the interest of other people. So when we hear, are you seeking great things for yourself, Baruch? Seek them not. I'm guessing that for many of us, God's going, are you seeking great things for yourself, Sean? Seek them not. Are you seeking great things for yourself, Andrew? Seek them not. And on and on it goes. And God gives kind of three answers um, to this. After he comes and says, are you seeking these gadolot, um, these, these great things? Seek them not. He gives us these answers. Why? And the first answer is this. Is God saying, my heart is breaking. My heart is breaking. Uh, put the verse back up on the screen if you don't mind. Um, God comes and says, how are you worried about your own concerns? How are you worried about your own reputation? How are you worried about building your own kingdom when my people, the people of Israel that I planted from Egypt, that I rescued, that I have, that I have longed for to bring to me, I'm about to uproot. The people that I have built, they're about to be destroyed. 
and you're concerned about your own comfort, you're concerned about your own life. It's almost God saying to Baruch, what is your pain, oh man, compared to mine? We read through the pages of Jeremiah, and if we were to squeeze it out, we could just see the tears of God falling because he is so broken and heart uh, just wrenching for his people. So he looks at Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, are you seeking great things for yourself? When my heart is broken, similar to what we see Jesus saying as he looks at Jerusalem, standing on the hill and says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Weeping for you, I long to draw you together like a sheep, uh, like sheep without a shepherd, like chickens um, to the mother hen. This is the heart of God. And I think so often we're kind of running around after our own business, running around after our own things, and God's coming and saying, Don't you understand my pain? Don't you understand my anguish? Because my heart is breaking for my people. The world is going to K R A P. People are hurting. People are dying around you, and you're seeking great things for yourself? It reminds me of another prophet, Jonah. In Jonah chapter 4, if you remember, um, God raises up this vine, and he loves that vine. Oh, it's it's such a great vine. He basks in that vine, but then uh, God causes a, a, a worm to come, and it eats the vine, and he's like really angry and upset. And this is how Jonah ends. Jonah, you're worried and upset about this vine that you didn't plant. It came up overnight. It was gone overnight. But look right there. There's Nineveh. There's thousands and thousands of thousands of people who don't know their right hand from their left spiritually. They are lost. Not even to mention their cattle. Why aren't you worried about them? And I wonder when I hear this in my heart, are you seeking great things for your Joey self, Joey? Seek them not. If that's God saying to me, look at all those people that are hurting, that are broken broken and you're seeking your own little kingdom that's not going to last when we were in uh Washtenaw baptist university uh we my daughter was a student there and she had a number of her college girlfriends over and uh, we were going to make coffee and tea for them and so i was in the kitchen they were in the living room and as i was getting ready to make coffee and tea i, I asked one of my kids i said well one of you run in and ask who wants coffee and who wants tea and cc over there uh, volunteered. Now, Cece had social anxiety, and so when Cece volunteered, we all were like, what is about to happen? What, what, what's going on? And so with, very, um, exci- with great excitement, we watched as Cece bounded into this room full of college, uh, teenage, uh, college girls, and he says, all right, raise your hand if you want tea and coffee. Sorry, raise your hand if you want therapy. Like, wait, how did you get therapy from tea and coffee? But the truth is, is that all of us probably should raise our hand at that question. (laughs) Who needs therapy? Man, we're broken. The world's broken. And we're more concerned about our own interests rather than the interests of the world. And so God comes and says, don't you know my heart is breaking for those who are hurting? Don't you just look around at your neighbor, look around at all those who need to raise their hand, and you're seeking your own kingdom. And then finally, the Lord says to to Baruch, but I've also given you the answer. I've given you the cure. You know what it's going to take to redeem the people of Israel. You know what it's going to take to bring salvation to the world. It's what we talked about last Sunday, Jeremiah 31, this new covenant. 
And you have this great gospel truth, the promise that what was external is now going to be internal, and my people are going to be uh, my people, and they're going to be mine. We have this great, great promise, and it should get us excited as we look at the hope that we have of the future. It gets us so, so, so excited. You know, I grew up in the 90s, and so I don't always whoop, but when I do, there it is. <laughs> and when we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, we shouldn't yawn. We shouldn't, but instead, we should whoop with great excitement. There's a problem with our hearts when we're more excited about our little bitty kingdoms and our agendas and our futures and our vacations and our holidays than we are the gospel of Jesus Christ, this new covenant. And God comes and says, how are you seeking great things for yourself when I have this message of doing a new thing, a new creation, reconciling all people to myself? I have a friend in New York City. He's a pastor. It's one reason I'm a Yankees fan. I don't hate, hold it against me too much. But he was telling me a story of another pastor friend in New York City who was on his way to this religious conference. And uh, he, came, he was late. And he came to a stop sign. As he came to the stoplight waiting for it to turn green, all of a sudden, uh, a man experiencing homelessness came up to him. The pastor's name was Jim, and he said that I could see the man experiencing homelessness coming in my periphery, and I tried just to ignore him, not to make eye contact. But he came up to me and said, hi, sir. And Jim, the pastor, said, I, I just blurted out, I don't have any money. He said, I'd said that lie so many times that I wasn't even, didn't even feel guilty in saying it this time. And the guy just looked at him and said, my name is Mark. What's your name? Jim was like, gosh, I don't, I don't want to talk to this guy. I've got to get to my conference. I can think about all that I'm going to speak. And he was just praying that the little man would turn green. And sure enough, it did. And so he said, as he was walking away from Mark, uh, sorry, yeah, I got the name. So, yeah, wait, wait, wait. so as he's walking away from uh, Mark, he said, my name is Jim. And so he began to go, and he looks back, and he saw that Jim, uh, that, that Mark, was writing on a little bit of sheet of paper and putting it in a file folder. He thought nothing about it, so went out his, and went beyond his day, went to the conference. A few weeks later, he came to that same stoplight, and he looked over and he saw the paramedics and the ambulance, and laying on the stretcher was Mark. There was a policeman by saying, hey, did anyone know this guy? Did anyone know this guy? Did anyone know this guy? And Jim said, uh, I know his name was Mark. And the cop began to say, how do you know this? And he said, well, that's all I know. I don't know anything else. And uh, the cop says, well, I'll tell you what, you're probably the only one that knows him. Um, so here's his belongings. And just left. And so here, uh, Jim was left with Mark's belongings. He looked through it, and there were some dirty clothes. There were some uh, bits and scraps of food. And at the bottom of it, there was a brown manila folder. And he pulled it out. And on that brown manila folder, uh, written with a little golf pencil, was the word friends. He opened up the folder, and inside there was only one little script of paper. And on it was written the word Jim. We think about so many people in the world that their file folders are empty. They have just so little to hope for, so little to live for. And we hear God's heart breaking for those people wanting them to know life and love. But instead, we're seeking great things for ourselves. 
And God says, no, seek them not. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes, just want you to ask the Lord momentarily, what in this message was written for you? The word of the Lord came to Baruch. I think Baruch was surprised by this. He's accustomed to the word of the Lord coming to, to Jeremiah's. Yeah, the word of the Lord comes to the Emilies. The word of the Lord comes to the Nordens. Or the word of the Lord is about Israel. The word of the Lord is about Egypt. The word of the Lord is about those others, the other nations. But here the word of the Lord comes to Baruch. And I think Baruch was like, okay, word. God wants to speak to me. I think that God wants to speak to you right now. The word of the Lord doesn't just want to come to the person beside you. He wants to come to you. And what is it that the Lord wants to say? For some of you, maybe that same message. Are you seeking great things for yourself? Stop it. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first the, 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 the people of God. Seek first those who are hurting. Maybe some of you here this morning that you're not the, you don't feel like you're the giraffes. You feel more like the little birds that are insignificant that get overlooked. Maybe some of you on the inside feel like just gross roaches. Maybe some of you feel like Mark and you don't have any love or peace or life in your folders. And God wants you to know that he loves you. He desires you. He honors you. Father, we pray that today that we would be a church at New Denver that doesn't seek our glory as individuals or even as our church, but that seeks your glory and seeks your justice in our city. Lord, for all those who have empty folders, Lord, let us show them your love. God, help us to get our perspective and our aim right. Let us be a people that seek first your kingdom. And it's in the name of the King Jesus Christ and by your spirit that we pray. Amen.